And we're glad you've chosen to be with us. My name's Daryl. Um, I'm glad to be with you. I am the... <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to give our talk today. I want to I start by saying... Um, Boy, the last three weeks have just been wonderful. I mean, spot on. The spot on. Lazarus talked about the issue of fear. And um, in our society today, fear comes in all kinds of sizes, packages, from every direction. Fear of, you know, what's the world going to look like? Fear is your 401k going to survive? Fear of who's going to take care of you? Fear, uh, you know, are, are we just going to be safe and will we be continually, um, move, uh, continually secure, right? I mean, it's a big deal, right? It is a big deal. But in Christ Jesus, there's safety. And then Jake did a wonderful job of talking about, and I, I, I want to say this, there's two things that... He did as good a job as I have ever heard of anybody talking about loving your enemies. I mean, it's just, Jake, great job. And then, and now let me tell you this, too. I have to stand with him. I have never heard a sermon on forgiveness for those of 9-11. Never. I'm ashamed to say that I never preached one. But those days are over with. And through this whole process, as, as chairs came up, and so we, we talked about the presence of fear, the reality of fear. And then we talked about how to, how to love your enemy in the presence of today's world. I mean, he, he, Jake talked about loving your enemy in a world of, with Roman uh, 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 tyranny. And then chairs came up and talked about surrender. Now, I want to go on and, and say this, that I think every one of those words was a now word, it was very prophetic of the season that we're in right now and where we're going forward. Uh, because the enemy uses um, hatred, the enemy uses fear to control. And for us as a church, I want to say this, I, I think we all need, you need to consider what citizen, what are you a citizen of? My first citizenship is the kingdom. I can live anywhere in the world, and I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, it does not mean that we should not be responsible of where we live, that we should take advantage of everything that God's given us. But first and foremost, we are citizens of the king and his kingdom. I'm going to show a clip, a clip's about humanity. I want to give a disclaimer. The visuals are not so fun, but the content is really good. And then we'll move on from there. In the story of the Bible, there are two realms. The earth, where we live, and the heavens, where God lives. And we've been talking about the spiritual beings. The Elohim, the divine council, angels and cherubim, the Satan and demons. And the last character we want to focus on is humanity. Now humans aren't spiritual beings. In Genesis 1 and 2, they're made of the dirt, like the animals. But notice that God calls humans to become something more. He elevates them to live and rule in Eden, the place where heaven and earth are one. And they're invited to eat from the tree of life. And what does that mean, to eat of the tree of life? 
Well, it's an image of receiving God's own eternal life into yourself. It's about a whole new kind of existence. So wait, physical beings living forever. How could that even work? Well, somehow, sharing in God's life transforms our bodies so that we can inhabit heaven and earth at the same time. And it also transforms our imagination so that we learn how to rule the world like God in the power of love. This is an amazing calling, but humanity is quickly deceived by a spiritual rebel. Yes, he lies to the humans, saying that they can rule and get eternal life on their own terms. And God exiles all of them from the garden. They're cut off from the source of true life. Evil and death now have power over us, and we live in a world of fear, self-preservation, and violence. But God promises that one day a human will come to defeat evil and death at their source, and to open up a new way to a reunited heaven and earth. And this promise reaches its fulfillment in Jesus. Right, when we're introduced to Jesus, he's a human, but he's also way more. Yeah, we're told that in Jesus, God and humanity have become one, so that he can restore the rest of humanity to its lost calling. And Jesus was tested by that same deceptive spiritual being, not in a garden, but out in the wilderness. Yeah, it tells Jesus the same lie. You could rule the whole world right now if you come under my authority and do things my way. But Jesus knew that that lie leads to death. So he rejected it and was victorious over the spiritual power of evil. And so then Jesus started announcing that God's heavenly rule was arriving here on earth through him. And so he went around confronting the power of death in his exorcism. Jesus was opening the way back to eternal life, to rule with God and become new humans. Yes, he also confronted our imagination by teaching how corrupt spiritual powers enslave whole communities with their lies. Lies like, my tribe is superior to your tribe. But Jesus said, every human is an image of God. Or the lie that power comes through force. While Jesus taught that real power requires sacrifice and generosity. Or the lie that peace comes through violence. While he said that true peace comes through self-giving love. This is a new kind of humanity. Yeah, a humanity transformed by God's life and his love. And Jesus didn't just talk about these ideals. He lived them out. Yeah, exactly. He brought God's heavenly kingdom to Jerusalem to confront the powers. In fact, that's what got him arrested. Well, so maybe the way of Jesus can't win over evil. But from Jesus' point of view, his coming death was actually a battle. A battle? Yeah, not against humans, but against the real enemy, the spiritual powers that enslave us through their lives. Jesus gave his life and let evil do its work. But God's love has the power to create life, even out of death. That's what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And the reason Jesus is human, but a new kind of human. Yeah, when Jesus' followers met him alive from the dead, he had a transformed body that could live in heaven and earth at the same time. He's like a new category of human, one that can live and rule with God forever. Jesus is the new humanity that we're called to become. Right. He said that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. And then he sent out his followers to announce that his eternal life is available to us now, in the present. We can experience eternal life now. Well, Jesus said that eternal life is knowing this God of love, so that our imaginations can be transformed as we're liberated to love God and to love our neighbor. And we trust that even if we die, God's love will transform our bodies and raise us up into the new creation. And that's how the story of the Bible ends. Yeah, the ending is a new beginning. 
with Jesus and the new humanity ruling in a united heaven and earth together. So the one reason I wanted to show that clip, because it contained everything that we talked about these last three weeks. It, came, it was all just wrapped up in that one image. Talked about the tentacles of the enemy that reaches out and tries to create fear in the midst of a people of hope. Talks about being tribal, and the Bible talks about being sectarianism is not of God. But we are to love all people. And we're supposed to walk in love and we're supposed to see things as Jesus sees them. We are called to a new type of humanity. We are called to step out of a culture by which we live in that we're so grateful for, but we're also called to be the examples of his light in the midst of a dark world. You and I are asked to follow him with our heads above the water where we can see what Jesus is doing around us so we do not get be pulled back. I love that image of darkness with its tentacles reaching out because the idea of the enemy trying to wrap his tentacles around us is very real, very prevalent, and is in the midst of God's church today. It is with us. And you and I must recognize it because he's given us eyes to see. He's given us a mind to think. And he's given us a heart to walk with. He has invited us to participate with him and be those that march to the beat of a different drum. To be those that love in spite of themselves. I, I'm, I am telling you there is a breeze, there's an awakening, there's a move of the Spirit that is coming our way. And if we are not alert, we will miss it. And I just want to ask myself and all of you, are you sick and tired of being you? Are you sick and tired of your attitude? Are you sick and tired of your lack of faith? Are you just tired of just doing the same old every day, same old, same old, same old, getting the same results with the same hard work? Jesus is saying, I'm for you. As, as that clip shows, he's created us. We are made in his image. He's given us life. He says, I've come to give life and that more abundantly. He's come so that you and I might not that those tentacles i love the picture of deliverance setting the captive free god is here for you and i and he's looking and inviting and he's saying come walk with me it's more than you know that it's more than just saying, the, the Bible says in Acts, it says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then there's the abundance of life that he gives to each and every one of us. I want to stop right here. We're going to take an offering just because I, what I feel like the Lord wants to move us forward with. Um, and if you're here with us today and a guest, please do not feel obligated to give. But um, uh, we are a, a, we're financed by, by us within us, and we have an online option. And I'm just so grateful for your generosity, your commitment, and your love, and your faithfulness. And may God use it. May God bless you. 
May God continue to add to your life and may He help you to live in that place of freedom, of generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have money. There you go. So Jesus said this. He said in Mark 8, 34, he said, When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save their life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel, the good news, will be saved. So Jesus invites us to come walk with him. He says, if you want to really discover life, come follow me. Come accept me. Come do as I do. I am your example. I, am, I have come to establish a new covenant. And he talks about picking up. Have you ever thought about picking up your cross? You know, I'm sitting here thinking of a four by four. And what they would do is they'd give you one part of that cross at the Romans and they'd put it on you and you would carry that. And it would be heavy. And we know all have that image of the road to Golgotha with Jesus and he was carrying this and after a brutal beating and he's carrying the weight of all of this. Jesus is not saying, I, he's not saying to you, I want you to carry that weight and following him. That's not what he's saying here. First of all, he's saying, when he says, deny yourself, he says, look, deny yourself and live in me. Live in me. Walk in me. Say no to yourself and say yes to me. Let me open doors that no man can close. Let me close doors that I don't want you to go. Live in me. As it says there in in Matthew 6 where we talk about prayer. Leave this place. Go shut your door and talk to me. Speak to me. I want to speak to you. I have a plan for your life. And so when he talks about picking up your cross, remember what he says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, those of us that are burdened. I think everybody carries burdens. That's what he's talking about. What are the burdens that you're carrying? Give them to me. I am trustworthy. I have planned a life for you. You have friends and neighbors and, and little ones that you're so concerned about. Give them to me. Trust in me. And then he goes on and says, take, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for you. So you're not taking on the burden of the world. You're taking on his load, which he says is light. He's not telling you, look, you know, buck up, Right? Come on, be a man, be a woman, buck up, carry your load. Come on, get your act together, and then you can come follow me. He's not saying that at all. I am going to take your act, I'm going to take your life, and I've died for it, and I'm asking you to come follow me and experience the freedom by which I died for. And experience, and be a part of, and not only taste it, but become it. Become it. Fear, leave in the name of Jesus. You know, another word for fear is how about being anxious? 
You know, if I ever got anxious, especially growing up, if I ever got anxious, it's when they're test, test day. I always got anxious. I was at the hospital one time. Family members are there, and they started asking me a bunch of Bible questions. I started flipping my keys like this, because I was nervous as I'll get out. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. I get anxious, not feeling like I'm prepared enough. And sometimes that anxiousness caused fear in my life. And it was really hard for me to overcome it. Was, that was just one of very, a, lo, very, a whole lot of issues in my, my personal world, my personal brokenness. But then I learned that, Lord, would you help me with this? Would you illuminate my mind and my heart? Um, will you help me not to be, help me to become the person you created me to be? Help me to see the person that you desire me to be. Help your word illuminate in my life. And then he went on to say, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous, sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in his glory of his Father with his holy angels. Following or being a part of the humanity of Jesus is a privilege. Now I know there's tugs and there's all kinds of things going on in uh, voices out there today. And some of them make a lot of sense. Some of them you're kind of going, really? I'm telling you there is a voice. There is the voice. And that voice is right here. And that voice is, can be in here. And if you want to understand, and now this, is, this is important, if you want to understand what that voice is, then you and I must have a devotional, biblical relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? You know what that's called biblically? That's called being a disciple. And if you believe that you're a follower of Christ, you're saying, I am a disciple of Christ. You know what else you're saying by saying that? You're also saying, not only am I a disciple of Christ, but I want to give away that which he's given me. I want to pass it on to somebody. I want, to, I want to, my life to be a blessing to somebody else around me. I want to be an example to somebody else. And that whole thing where that's your job, Daryl, well, I'm telling you right now, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that's your job, Daryl. It doesn't say that. It's our job as a community, right? That's what, that's what Lazarus was saying. That was Jake. That's what Cheris was telling us. It's our job as we come together and we, we lock arms together and walk in this whole new humanity. And in that is we... Lose, we give, we, we lose, we give away, we surrender our lives to Jesus, right? 
then why do we keep taking it back? I'm going to ask you that question. Take it, Lord. No, wait. You can have it all but this, right? I'm going to give you all of it but this. Can't I just have a taste, a little bit left over? Oh, you see, and Jesus is this way. There are no negotiations, right? I got your number, David. <laughs> and there you're trying to pass the buck over there. You're terrible. We must surrender our lives to him completely. Completely. Take all of me, Lord. We must identify with his suffering and his death. And we must follow him obediently wherever he leads. That's what it means to say yes to Jesus. It, you know, it means I will do whatever you ask. A matter of fact, if you turn to Luke 18, there's a, a story there about a rich young ruler. It says this, and I'm just going to kind of wind down with this. It says, now a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Comes to Jesus. What can I do? I'm, you know, you can just imagine saying, I just I want to make sure that I understand what it is that'll help me have eternity. So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, don't bear false witness, honor. Your father and your mother. That's a good one for most of you. But he went on to say this in verse 23. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. So just imagine this very rich person. He probably had servants. He probably had, had the ability to do anything he wanted at any time. He had a luxury life. Just, just imagine the most luxury life that you could possibly have. And boy, my, my imagination can illuminate. <laughs> I like that own your own island thing. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, and he became sorrowful because he intuitively understood what Jesus was going with this. He was going, well, I, I got a lot of stuff. And Jesus knew his heart, and he knew what it would take for him to understand what it meant to be a follower of Christ. Now, for you and I, it might be a totally different thing. Totally different. But I guarantee you, a pocketbook has a lot to do in our world today. How hard he went, and Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful and he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now that's a big statement. And what Jesus essentially is saying there, that's a huge mountain. That is just a huge mountain. So the, my question would be for any of us in this room, that has nothing to do with how many zeros we have. Does money control you or do you control money? That, that's, that's the question of the day. Does it control you or do you, or do you control it? 
Because I'm telling you, if it controls you, there's one of those little strings running from the evil one to us. If it's what captivates your heart and your soul, if, if it is the very thing that you think about the most, it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom than it is for a camel to go through. So the question is for all of us, is who do we follow? Does God have a plan for your life and my life? Absolutely. Does he have a plan for this fellowship? Absolutely. Does he have a direction? Absolutely. Does he want us to be victorious? Absolutely. Does he want us to be free? Absolutely. Does he desire that you to have all this? I've never given up anything in my life. Nothing. Nothing. I've never given up anything, and I've never wanted for anything. God has provided for me constantly. And I'm, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a very hard-working person. I buried myself in work in my first five years of marriage. That is the family culture I came out of. Working hard was never an issue with me. That's not the issue. And then time and time and time again, we've seen God provide. Not only for us as a family, but for us corporately. Time and time again, we've seen God open doors. We've seen God close doors. We trust the Lord. We just trust Him. We say yes to Him. And we come and have to, often I have to come and say, Lord, I want to give this back to you because I keep seemingly wanting to take it back from you. And I want to offer this back to you. I don't know what it is about my personality, but I keep bring, taking these things back from you and, and I, I always mess it up somehow. I, I have this keen ability to get in the way of what you're trying to do. Um, and, and then I get really uptight at people and I start having stinking thinking about people that you love and you died for. And, and some of them I really, uh, I really reject because I don't, we don't see eye to eye. They see life differently than I do. And I get some kind of on my high horse and I begin to sit there and think, well, how could God love them, right? And then all of a sudden I realize... The Lord has said, well, like, who are you? If I love you, why wouldn't I love them? And all of a sudden, I find myself drawing boundaries around all this stuff. And I draw these boundaries. And these boundaries, somehow I put God in that boundary. And I sit there and say, well, God thinks the same way I do because I learned how to think from him. No, no. Loving your enemy. Loving your enemy. That's, how hard is that? How hard is it to love somebody that slanders you? How hard is that? That's pretty hard, huh? So Jesus would go on.
And he would say this in verse 26, And those who heard it said, Who can be saved? But he said, The thing which are, po- which are possible, those things which are impossible for men are possible with God. See, the truth is, you and I can be different. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. That fear can be broken. Hatred can be dissolved in the light of Jesus Christ. Surrender. The key is surrender. Saying yes to Jesus. That's the, surrendering is denying yourself. Saying, Lord, more of you, less of me, is denying yourself. It's coming into that place of self-awareness. Not justification. Have you ever been in that place where you had to justify the way you thought or what you said and you had to build a case for yourself because you needed to be right? Oh, come on. We live there, right? Constantly trying to justify how we... You know, and the, the thing is, is what we need to do, I must decrease and he must increase. So what we need to lock arms with is, how do you feel about this, Jesus? How do you feel about this, Lord? How should I respond to this that a way that honors you and your kingdom and your word? What should I do? Where is the relevance for this in my life? Help me to stop my stinking thinking and help my head to get into the humanity of the kingdom. Right? Lastly, we can justify anything we want to do. We can give ourselves permission and excuses for anything we want to do. We do it all the time. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the church's life. I've seen it everywhere. We can give ourselves permission if we want to do something bad enough. That doesn't mean it's right. Right? It just doesn't. And I'm invited, I think the Lord is inviting us. Who? Who will stand? Who? I, I believe there's an inv- two invitations going out. The invitation, first invitation is to re-enlist. Those of you that have been walking with Christ for a number of years, that you say, I'm all in again. And then there's another invitation for those that have never met Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I died for you. I'm here for you. I have a purpose for your life. I have a reason for you. And I want to help you discover what that reason is. Let's have the worship team come forward. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's just power. How many of you would love to change your thought life? Thought life. The things that kind of run around between your ears. Yeah, come on. Getting some honesty going here now. <laughs> I, got, I got some advice. Historically, it's, it's, this is called breath prayer. Came out of the deserts and the father, desert and mothers from the early early couple of centuries. <clears throat> they would leave the city and they'd go out there and become hermits in the desert because they wanted to become holy. But the problem was they took themselves with them. 
True story. It's documented. But then they came up with the idea of their thought life and how can they get purified. And they realized, they came up with a, a, what is called breath prayer. It's called, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so what my suggestion for you, as you find your mind going places it shouldn't be going or thinking things about people it shouldn't be thinking or doing things like that, say, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the minute you say the name of Jesus, life changes. Now, personally, I say it out loud. I'll say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I'll also say this, get out of my head. Now, to be honest with you, I say it a lot during the day, <coughs> confession. But it's true. It, the Bible says take every thought captive. Right? How do you do that? Jesus, have mercy on me, right? Oh, I have some other advice. Be careful what you put your eyes on. Be careful what you allow your spirit to absorb through the media. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful. Ask Jesus for permission of what you can do and can't do. I'm not going to tell you my, what, what he lets me know. You need to work that out with yourself. What is it the Lord is saying is okay for you? And respond to that in the name of Jesus. Respond to that. So we're going to sing this song. And it's, called, it's the power of the name of Jesus. And if, if you feel like you deal with fear, if you feel like you're critical, if you sense that you, are, you have trouble surrendering your life and becoming an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ, if you need to resent, surrender your life to Jesus, if you desire empowerment from the Holy Spirit to live this Christian life, I invite you to say yes to Jesus and let's get some prayer. Let's do this together. You might be one of those that want to re-enlist because your life is flattened out. You're bored. You have no purpose. Jesus has a purpose for you. Let's go ahead.